Welcome to Business Steps Up, a presentation of HIALI, one of the recognized voices in Long Island business. We'll focus on cutting-edge topics important to the Bi-County region and beyond. So sit back, relax, and listen to some of Long Island's most influential business leaders here on Business Steps Up. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome again to the HIALI Business Steps Up Live. Uh, this is a monthly and sometimes a bi-monthly program where we're really looking at highlighting leaders and organizations that are doing things significantly different, particularly through COVID, but also throughout the year, right? And they really lend to the Long Island economy and there's no exception this month. You know, I will, before we begin, say to all of you, congratulations again. It has been a long 15 months, as we know, and I'm so proud of all our members and the business community that step up to the plate. Many of you have repurposed your plants to provide personal protective equipment and to help with guidance in terms of access to capital. So we appreciate that. And you all continue to stay Long Island strong. We're seeing somewhat of a light at the end of the tunnel, as you know, and people are getting out and about, which is always a good thing. So. As we've gone through this as an organization, obviously you know that we've stood by you and we've had two major goals through COVID. One is to really disseminate a lot of very important information, but the second is to highlight our members. And as I said before, highlight our member companies. So it is very appropriate and I'm honored really to have Colleen Merlot with us. She's the president and CEO of the Association for Mental Health and Wellness. And the organization is a very good friend of the HIALI and a member. And it's very appropriate because May is um, Mental Health Awareness Month. So on two fronts, I'm honored to have you, Colleen. Welcome Thank to the you, audience. Honored to be with you. Oh, thanks. And um, so let's start with, I know you've been with this association at least till last December. So start us off with your background, how you came to the organization. Sure. So um, in many ways, coming back as the CEO uh, last December was like coming home. So the Association for Mental Health and Wellness is actually uh, the merger of three distinct organizations, Clubhouse of Suffolk, the Mental Health Association of Suffolk, and Suffolk County United Veterans. And I was the executive director of the Mental Health Association prior to the merger. Um, back in 2014. And I did stay on with the organization for some time, um, but then I had this wonderful opportunity to go work for LI Against Domestic Violence, which was another uh, cause that is very near and dear to my heart. So I did take that opportunity, um, but I, I continued to work with the Association for Mental Health and Wellness on similar projects around suicide prevention, um, around reducing stigma, and I was on their board for about a year and a half before uh, Mike Stoltz, their former CEO, retired, and I stepped into the role. Oh, great. So you're no stranger, obviously, to not only this um, subject, but just in general to the agency, which is wonderful. I mean, you know, we spoke a little before when we went live. This is needed more than ever now through COVID and um you know, what I didn't mention is through this, we've done a lot of surveys with our members and they've told us several things. One is obviously they need access to capital and they understand how important technology is, but also they understand how critical it is to really um, look at and identify what's going on with mental health as they help their employees through this. So 
Talk to us a little bit about, um, first of all, what are some of the signs that we should be looking for as employers? Well, you know, I think that COVID has really highlighted the need to pay attention to mental health in the workplace. Um, I think prior to COVID, there were employers that absolutely were taking proactive steps and really paying attention to how they can support their employees' emotional health. But I think now, almost every employer is really considering what do I need to do in order to support my employees because they're seeing higher levels of stress and depression and burnout. Um, and so in order for them to support their, their bottom line in some cases, or also just from an altruistic standpoint and caring about another human being, we're seeing more and more employers really stepping up. And what I can say is that, you know, Right now, a lot of people are under stress. And so we're seeing signs of stress, but we're also seeing signs of mental health problems that may have been exacerbated due to the pandemic and the isolation. Um, and so there's a lot of different symptoms and signs, but I think there's a few that I wanna highlight that employers would do well to pay attention to. You know, overall changes in behavior are a sign that something is going on. And certainly over the past year, we've seen, we've had to deal with a lot of changes just overall in our environment. So that may have resulted in some changes in behavior, but things that couldn't be explained by that. So we might notice an employee missing a lot of work or showing up late, appearing really tired or changing the way they dress for work. Um, we might notice uncharacteristic mistakes or, um, work that's turned in late, we may even notice a, a sense of irritability in an employee. Um, something else that might, might come up is an employee isolating or avoiding colleagues in, in, the, in the era of Zoom. If there's an employee who typically would be on video and suddenly they're not on video, um, you might wanna reach out and say, what is happening there? Um, you know, it really does boil down to changes in behavior that we've expected of an employee. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that leads me to, gosh, the, the, those are difficult um, conversations for a CEO and any employer to have just in general. So how, to, how do you go about doing that? How do you have that type of conversation with someone and, and obviously be empathetic and, you know, obviously sympathetic? Absolutely. You know, I am a mental health practitioner by uh, profession and by um, uh you know, teaching, but I'm also a CEO of a company. And I have to tell you that I acknowledge that talking about mental health can seem really daunting, but I also wanna remind folks that we've all had these difficult conversations with people in our lives. We've all had conversations with people who've lost someone who are bereaving um, or gone through a breakup or other life events and traumas. And oftentimes those conversations don't start easily but if you think back to them, you know that that conversation probably had a really strong impact on the person going through the, the tough time. So I think it's best to just start by checking in and telling the person in a very concrete way the behaviors that you've seen, right? So we're not going to go in and say, oh, I think you're depressed. I think you're anxious. I think you're fill in the blank. But I've noticed that you're showing up for work late. And I've noticed that you seem really tired. Um, I'm concerned about you. Express your concern and your willingness to listen. You know, I think it all really starts with, with asking them how they're doing and, and being ready for the answer in an authentic way. Yeah, absolutely. And what I hear you saying is we need to focus on the actions that are being taken, what we're seeing different or 
or things like that. So how does the association help with that? I know, let's start with the employee, employee assistance program, which I know that people, um, companies can take advantage of. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So we don't have an employee assistance program through uh, the Association for Mental Health and Wellness, but you know I do encourage anyone who uh, can afford to have one to look into it and, and adopt an employee assistance program. Um, an EAP is a work-based intervention program that's designed to help employees in resolving personal problems um, that are affecting their their work performance. And you know a, a lot of folks think about. Um, substance use or alcohol abuse, but EAPs can help with anything from child care to elder care to relationships. Um, they even help with financial or legal problems and, and they're free to employees. So, you know, we are a mental health organization and so we're skilled at providing some of the support, but we wouldn't want to blur that line. And so we do have an EAP that we work with and it's a tremendous resource to um, employees who you know, are experiencing, whether it be a marital problem or insomnia to, to anything in between. I, I really encourage every employer to look into to having an EAP in place. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because when I talk to other CEOs, you know, sometimes, and I don't mean by any stretch to negate mental health or anything like that, but sometimes it, it, they just need someone to talk to, right? And they just need to um, kind of work it out in their own head. And, and that really can help at least as a first step. Absolutely, Terry. You know, I've seen our EAP really allow us to keep good employees, right? right? So we've had employees who may have been struggling with something. And if it wasn't for the EAP and the support that they were able to access for free, um, we may have lost that person as an employee. And we never want to lose a good employee. Right, right. So tell us what are the services that the association does offer? So we offer um, access to linkage and referrals. So if someone does need um, to access a mental health professional, we can work with that person, assess what they need and link them. Um, we offer uh, programs for people who are chronically and persistently mentally ill um, through a clinic as well as what we call the PROS program, Personal Recovery Oriented Services. And those programs really are aimed at helping the person to meet the needs of their daily living. So we help people to establish relationships with loved ones. We help people to get back in the workforce. Um, we also have programs for veterans. Uh, we have a, a homeless shelter for male veterans, and we also have housing programs for veterans. Um, we also have something called the Peer-to-Peer -peer Dwyer Program, where uh, veterans help other veterans who may be struggling with getting back into civilian life or dealing with the tra traumatic um, stress that they encountered while they were in the military. Um, and right now, actually, we just launched a new program, uh, Project Hope, which is aimed at helping anyone who's uh, having some difficulty coping with COVID-19. And I think probably all of us at some point have had some difficulty dealing with COVID-19. So to any degree, it could be just a simple phone call that, you know, I'm, I'm stressed about this around COVID, or it may be, um, you know, I need to access financial resources that may be available, and we can link people to uh, the resources that are available. We have lots of programs, and I encourage people to visit our website and, and check, check right. those out. So is that, Colleen, the same? That's Project Hope Affiliate. Is that what that's called? For 
it's called New York Project Hope. And um, the program is actually funded through New York State. And we're working in partnership with the Office of Mental Health um, to provide that service and support to people who are dealing with the, the stress of COVID-19. So, I mean, as a CEO, as you see what's happening and going on with COVID, how do you think that's going to impact the association in terms of more people really needing to talk about this and more people needing that, that guidance? Well, you know, I think that in some ways it's a good thing because people are talking about mental health and emotional wellness in ways that I really haven't seen before. Um, so that's the silver lining. And I always look for silver linings. Um, but I, I do believe that we are going to see the harmful emotional effects of COVID um, for years to come. And, you know, as a workforce, we need to pay attention to that. I mean, just think about it. There were people who lost loved ones who were not able to get together and grieve and comfort one another. That alone um, is going to have negative impacts for years to come. The isolation that individuals faced during COVID um, and just the fear. I mean, it, we really were living with life or death fear, um, you know, during the pandemic. So, you know, as an association, we are looking at ways we can increase our outreach and support and community um, involvement so that people know that there are places to turn to and that they can call our organization. And if we can't provide them the service that we can provide linkage um, to the support that they need. Yeah. Or that yeah. their children need. Yeah. I, you, you read my mind. I mean, I have a, a 14 year old and I've said to to other people before it's been difficult for the kids, right? Because they went remote, fully remote in our school district and now they're back, but they really lost that sense of, in a time when it's so important of um, their ability to communicate, their ability to kind of mature within that way. So I know it's been difficult and as well for the teachers, right? So it's just been a, a real difficult forum um, all over the place. So. So talk to us about, as we see the light at the end of the tunnel, one of the things we're seeing from a business perspective is some offices opening again, right? Some offices bringing their employees back. We just came back recently to our offices and others making a decision potentially not to even do that. Mm. So how, how can that impact mental health? Well, you know, I think that as we, you know, for organizations, there's, look, there are some businesses that never closed that had employees on site the entire time because they were essential workers or for whatever reason. Um, and those employees worked throughout the pandemic. And that doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with the emotional of emotions of reopening or the stress and burnout that they were facing throughout that and the fear that they were facing. So regardless of where you are on the continuum of having closed to reopening, to having some hybrid, you do have to focus on the emotional aspects or uh, repercussions that are happening. And I think it's really taking a pulse. Um, you know, for some employers, you may have to be back on site by a certain date for, for a reason and letting communicating with workers that this is what's gonna happen, this is what it's going to look like. I think communication is really key here. Um, letting people know in advance because the other piece of this is people have kind of worked out their schedule and they may be caring for an elderly parent or caring for a child and giving people notice ahead of time so that they can make those um, needed, um, you know, place 
placements or, or make those accommodations as necessary. Um, I do know even in our own workplace, and we never closed, we were on site uh, to some degree throughout the pandemic. Um, but we, we were, you know, working remote, some of our staff, and even in our own workplace, there's things that we have to manage in terms of people feeling fearful about coming back on site. You know, and the, and the flip side of that is there are people who are so eager to come back on site and, you know, we're doing some scattered things where people shared offices right now. We're not letting people share offices. Um, and so there are individuals who are like, I want to be back five days a week. And, and we have to say, well, we can't do that because you share your office and you have to, you have to stagger the schedule. Um, but I do think um, attending to the fear that people may be um, having and also for employers to keep in mind that we've all suffered a, a trauma this past year to some degree. Um, and for some people, that loss that they felt may be more, um, more real for them. They may have lost a loved one or several loved ones. Um, they may have been ill themselves with COVID and that may have taken a toll on their stamina, right? We've heard that there are lingering effects. So that may also interfere with the person's ability to carry out their work functions. And so I think it's, it's really listening to what employees are saying to the best that you can, making accommodations so that people can ease into it and feel comfortable and really express what you're doing to keep your employees safe. Yeah. I mean, I read a statistic yesterday. I think it was from the governor's office, 43,000 people passed away through this um, just a astronomical number. And so you go back to what you said, Colleen, about a silver lining, if there is one, right? It is, um, many of us have come out of this being far more empathetic than we ever have before and realizing that how important family is and how important it is to not, not judge people, but understand that they might be not, they might be going through something that we don't even know about, right? So, been difficult. So, you know, talk to us a little bit about, are there things that we could be doing as employers on a, on a daily basis to get our employees a little bit more involved and, and help them out with from an attitudinal standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, first of all, you know, mental health is something that we all have, and it does exist on a continuum. Um, I think, you know, on days when I'm feeling really good and, and mentally well, you know, I'm able to really have a sense of purpose and direction and energy to do all the things that I want to do. And then there's days where I'm feeling more stress and, and I don't, don't function as well. And I think that's true for most people. Um, so I just want to mention that, you know, I think some people think I don't have to worry about my mental health. There's no history um, of mental illness in my family, and I've never suffered from depression or anxiety. But really mental health does con con exist on a continuum. And so the things that we might think about putting in place are good, not just for someone who may at some point be diagnosed with a mental health concern or is diagnosed with a mental health concern, but it's good for all employees. So, you know, one of the things that we talk to employers about is promoting a work-life balance. I think we oftentimes fall into this trap where we praise employees who show up, you know, early and work late or, you know, answer that email on the weekend. It's like, oh, thank you. But the truth of the matter is in the long run, we burn employees out when we do that. So 
really encouraging a work-life balance. And now under COVID, I can say that's harder than ever to do because there is not that commute time. There's not, I shut my computer off and I go home or I have to get home because I have to do A, B, and C. It's like, I'm already home. So I can kind of do A, B, and C and then go back to work. Um, One of the things I think employers can do to balance that out is encourage people to take their vacations, right? Um, Even during, even if they're working remotely, you still should take a vacation. You're not on vacation, you're working at home. Um, You know, we mentioned the fact that we really should be talking about issues related to stress, depression, and anxiety. And you can do that in a number of ways. You can host a training. You know, the Mental Health the Association for Mental Health and Wellness can come in and do a training, or if you have an EAP, they can come in and do a training. So that shows your dedication um, to helping keep people well. Um, some employers offer free screening tools for their employees. And sometimes that can be really helpful because we may not notice things unless we kind of are checking a box uh, right away. So actually Mental Health America, which we are an affiliate of, offers free screening tools through their website. Um, so I encourage employers to offer that as well. Um, you know, we did speak about the benefits of EAP, um, but what I've found is a lot of employers who have EAPs find that they're underutilized. Right. And I think that's because we don't promote them enough. We need to remind our employees that that exists that it's something that is completely confidential and completely free um, and encourage the use of it, that it's not, a, not, it's not um, you know, a demerit to use the EAP. It's actually a strength and a benefit. Yeah. I mean, um, so those mental health tools, I mean, how can we help our audience watching get those? Do they reach out to you guys directly or how would they do that? So the assessments are available at the Mental Health America website, which is um, mha.org, I believe. And we can certainly um, put that in the, in the chat of the Facebook feed. That'd be great. Absolutely. And you mentioned certainly, you know, the commitment to having either your organization or if you're dealing with an EAP and come in and do some training, I'm assuming you can do that via Zoom. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure you're doing it via Zoom right now. So, um, And the value to that really is for those employees that are working remotely and um, who might not come into an office that they can all get that information at the same time, which is great. So tell us what you're doing through Mental Health Month, which is, as I mentioned, the beginning May. What are some of the special things you're doing? Sure. So one of the things that we're doing is we are promoting Tools to Thrive. So each day in May, we post a different way people can connect and stay mentally and emotionally well. Um, So it's everything from learning how to do a brief meditation, which is scientifically proven to help people, um, you know, be more focused and uh, grounded. Um, So each day we are, we are, uh, promoting a tip. It might be connecting with uh, an animal. Um, it might be connecting with nature, taking a walk, physical activity. Um, and those are all posted um, through our Facebook page, which is MHAW Suffolk. Um, we are also doing events like this. So what a great you know, idea that is. Yeah. And I've learned some new tools myself. And I think, I'm, you know, I think I focus on my emotional wellness to, to a degree, like a lot, but I've learned some new tools myself. So, um, you know, they only, they only work if you try them though, right? Um, and then we're doing events like this. So we are doing, um, you know, a lot of virtual events this year. 
uh, talking about how uh, businesses or schools or, um, you know, expected parents can focus on emotional wellness. Um, so good, good. I mean, uh, and I know that um, Mike had taken the opportunity and done some things with the HILI through our committees and things. So we welcome you back. I know you're going to be on a panel for us in June with our small business task force talking about reopening now and what that looks like. So I'm sure you'll be, at, be able to add a lot to it. So we appreciate it. So um, I want to shift gears just for a second in our last few minutes and talk about you as a CEO, because we have some, I'm sure, owners on and people watching. And what was that transition like for you when you took over at the association? And what were some of the things that you did, as much as you know about mental health in general, to become more acclimated with the staff? Is there anything you did in particular? I think one of the things that I did that was very helpful, um, especially in a Zoom environment, because a lot of it was virtual when I first came, came on board. And we also have multiple sites. So I wasn't seeing people every day on a regular basis. And, you know, there's a lot of fear when a CEO leaves an organization after 20 plus years as to what's going to happen, what's going to change. And I did a lot to communicate what my vision for the organization was. Um, whether it be through all staff meetings, uh, through written communication, but you know, that's, that's, that's all great, but it really, people need to learn to trust you. So one of the things that I did was I set up the CEO meet and greets. They were completely voluntary and people could sign up, pop in via Zoom and just have a conversation. It was the employee's time to talk about anything they wanted to talk about. And some people wanted to talk about work and their role. Um, other people wanted to tell me about their hobbies or a trip that they took or, you know, talk about their pets. And that really helped me get a feel for some of the talents within the organization, um, which I wouldn't have known had I not done that. Um, and it also let people, you know, ask me questions that maybe I wouldn't talk about, you know, my kids or my dogs in an all staff meeting, but that one-on-one, -on -one, right? I, I kind of likened it to, we're not hanging out by the water cooler. We're not passing each other in the hall. So you have to set up these opportunities. Right. Oh, that's a great, great opportunity. Did, uh, if you don't mind me asking, did a lot of the employees take the opportunity? A lot of employees did. And then there were a few who like missed the, the dedicated time and they were like, I want to meet with you. So I, I set up you know, a couple more. And I think it's something that I, I will continue to do even when I'm not a quote unquote new CEO anymore, because I do see the benefit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what's your vision for the organization right now moving forward? I think that, you know, due to COVID, we do need to do a really good job of letting everyone know that we exist and that we are here to support and help individuals. And so my vision for the organization is to be more in the community and doing more community events and letting people know that we are here for them. Great. And again, we're a partner of yours. So any way we can help you do that and accomplish that, you let us know. Well, you know what? It's obvious to me, Colleen, that you practice what you talk about. That's the important part, right? And um, you're obviously empathetic and you really understand how important mental health is and, you know, what it means not only to an organization, but to the individual themselves. So thank you. That half hour went quite quickly, I have to say. I don't know how you felt about it. But it went very quick. I feel like we could talk for probably two hours, but. <laughs> I know. I know. So I, a final question that I've 
I've actually asked everyone as we've done this program is if you were to give a young person coming into your field some sort of advice, what, what do you think it would be right now? Someone just starting out in the mental health area or arena. I would say be open to learning, um, not only from the other professionals you're working with, but from the people who you're providing services to. Um, and to always remember that people can get better and they do get better. Yeah. And isn't that true? Every day is a learning day, even now, whether you're new at it or you're not. If we're not learning something new, we probably shouldn't be doing it, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. So give us again your website and how people it's, can contact you. Sure. It's www.mhaw.org. Right. And any final thoughts for the audience? Um, I would just want to say if there is anyone out there struggling, that help is available. And I encourage you to talk to someone. If you're not comfortable talking to a professional, maybe there's a friend that you're comfortable talking with. But, you know, don't sit alone in isolation. Things can get better, even though it can feel really overwhelming in the world that we're living in right now. Yeah, that's great advice. Absolutely. So thank you again, Colleen. I know I'll see you hopefully one day physically, right? Yes. <laughs> we'll be able to uh, meet and maybe even shake hands. We'll see. Um, but thank you for joining us. Really a very, very important topic. And I know that we'll see you again soon. Harry, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Business Steps Up is a production of HIALI, one of the recognized voices for business on Long Island and a powerful voice and economic engine for regional development. Check back for more interesting, thought-provoking episodes with some of Long Island's most influential business leaders. For more information, call us at 631-543-5355 or log on to hia-li.org.